faithful of the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also as one who was born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy even to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. And so the author of this, Paul, is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And he starts and he's saying this, this gospel message that I preached to you. The gospel. Uh, that word literally translated means, in noun form, it means the good news. Yeah, it also could be used as a verb to bring this good news. This message. The, the message of what? And so it, it kind of begs the question, well, what is the good news? That there is salvation... In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he brings this message of salvation. And he's talking to these people like this gospel that I have brought to you. That Jesus came, he died, he rose on the third day, and your sins are forgiven. This is the message of, of salvation. That's what everybody has been longing for. They've been looking for because they haven't found it in the sacrifices of, well, there's been goats and bulls and lambs and all of these things that they would try to do to obtain forgiveness for their sins. But somehow it always fell short. And so he's saying that there is this gospel, this good news. But see, the thing about this good news is it's only good, no, good news if you have the realization that you need saving. If you don't think that you need saving from anything, well then, hey, I'm okay. What's, what's the problem? Um, I may have told you this story once before, but uh, you'll hear it again. And, and I have this, uh, this overwhelming feeling that by the time I hit 60, I'm going to be one of those old guys that say the same stories over and over. And, but in my mind, I'm going to think, I've never said this before. It's the very first time because I'm already at... 33, 34, I'm already doing that. And I have no clue. Like, have I told you this? And I'll, I'll be telling Devin something. I'm like, Devin, this? And she's like, you told me that yesterday. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember. So those of you that have been with me for a while and will continue, just, just kind of do like you do some of Oh, that's great. Yeah, we've heard that before. Some new material, Lucas, would be great. But anyway... <laughs> So if you haven't heard it, you're going to hear it again. So I'm in Indonesia, and uh, we go to dig this well. And uh, these guys show up, and they show up with, you know, some just basic, really basic, basic tools. You know, basically like a shovel, a uh, pitchfork kind of thing. Anyway, I don't know what it is. And so we're digging this well, and we get down maybe 30 feet or so. And so I'm down in this well, and I'm just kind of uh, putting the mud in the bucket. They are putting it to the top and getting the dirt out of this well. So I've been down there for maybe a couple hours, and it's time for me to come out of the well. And so to get out of the well, there's just the rope of the bucket, and you've got to kind of pull yourself on this rope, and you've, you're using your back against the wall because it's only maybe this wide. And, and I'm kind of getting up the well slowly, and about halfway up, I slip, and my back uh, and, and legs just kind of fall, and there's just all these jagged rocks and so my whole back just gets all just destroyed. And, and I'm still hanging there, and I'm about 15 feet 
from the ground, maybe 15 feet or so from the top or whatever. I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm just kind of hanging there. And I'm just hurting so bad that like all of the energy in my body just kind of leaves. And I'm just, oh my goodness. And I don't think I can make it down. I don't think I can make it up. I need someone to, well, save me. I need some help. Uh, but there's a problem. The three or four guys that are up there are all Indonesian guys that, and I hadn't learned the language that good yet. And so I'm trying my best to communicate with them that I need you guys to help me just pull this rope as I'm pulling myself and that'll help, you know, give me the energy to get to the top. And and I'm saying, trying to use any Indonesian word I can think of, and it's just coming out like chicken, sandwich, you know, Brussels sprouts. I don't know what word it means to just pull me up, but you should know by my facial expression that something's wrong. But apparently they didn't, and they just kind of laughed at me. And so I'm hanging there. It's like, God, I need some help. I can't get out of this thing on my own. And finally, this other guy comes that speaks pretty good English. And I say, listen, man, I just need, I need you guys to help pull this rope so I can get up. And then they pull the rope, and I get up. And it was just this moment of, like, I needed saving. I, need, I needed someone to help me. I couldn't do it on my own. There was no way I was getting out of this pit without some help. And that's the message of Jesus Christ, that we were drowning in a sea of death and there was no way out of it. And we needed help. We needed Jesus to come and pull us up. And so Paul is saying this is this gospel message. This is the good news that there is one that has done what everyone is looking for. And so he's speaking this message. And what's important to remember that as he's writing this is who he's writing it to. He is writing it to people that are what then would be called followers of the way, what we would now call Christians. So he's writing to these people that have accepted Christ. These words, these words in this Bible are for the Christian that he's writing to. And this is very, very important to remember because sometimes we can begin to read the Bible and read certain portions of Scripture and all of a sudden we kind of get into that mindset of, well, this is for someone else. Oh, this is for the unbeliever or this is for, you know, there's that moment where you're reading and you think, oh, I know who really could use this verse of scripture. Oh, I know who God's talking to on this one. Let me tell you, honey. And a phone call. Yeah, let me tell you about Psalms 27. Isn't that what's her name's problem? Yeah, that was just a prayer request. It ain't no prayer request. That's called gossip. Okay, don't do that. Y'all are laughing, but y'all know it's true. All right, and so we got to remember that Paul is writing this, and he's saying, listen, don't lose sight of what's core fundamental about being a Christian, that there is this this gospel message, this redemption in Christ. And what happens if we begin to take this message and, and just kind of lose some of that foundation, it begins to be twisted into something that it was never meant to be. And what starts out as a wonderful, wonderful thing ends up as a tragedy. And And our lives can be full of these, well, good intentions or or, or I thought this was great, but the end result is just terrible. And and I found a picture this week that I thought really illustrated this point of how things can start off great, good intentions, but bad results. And the reality is this happens all the time. It happens in, in companies. It happens in businesses. It happens in churches. If we're not careful, it could happen to the gospel message. It happens uh, 
I think probably maybe one of a, a great example of this is, is in our educational system in colleges today is if you were to look back at the history of some of our, not just here in America, but over in England, some of premier elite colleges of the day, you would find out that in their history, at the very root, these colleges were started for the purpose of spreading the gospel, for the purpose of training up missionaries, training up pastors, training up people that would take this good news, this gospel message, and tell it to the world. Now, fast forward some few hundred years later and now you can't even speak about god on these same college campuses these same ones that had their roots in the faith now have kind of gotten off track with well what could have been good intentions and now it's turned into something well that has very very bad results as a matter of fact i've told you before there's certain colleges there's a college over in england right now that there's the question on their college application is whether or not you believe that there is a God. And if you answer this question of believing whether or not there is a God, it will get you denial into that college. Because how could someone believe in something so frivolous? Certainly someone that believes in a God doesn't even have to be a Christian or whatever, any God at all, well, that's substandard and we're not going to allow them into our school. And these things are happening. And And it's happening on, well, places that have these core roots of, well, what was to be fundamental about this institution colleges businesses church and if we're not careful we could do that very same thing to the gospel message we could take the gospel message and before it's long we begin to twist it just enough to where the message is good news to well everything that appeals to my personal preference the good news that everything that well as long as it doesn't infringe on my happiness well then it's good news But the second it kind of, that good news turns into something a little bit different than what we're comfortable with, then we'd like to just kind of, mm, let's just kind of adjust that. But the reality is, if you look at this message, the good news is that, well, Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. See, there's an element of death to this thing, which, let's let's be honest, that doesn't seem like good news. It doesn't seem like, well, who, who wants to die? But that's the message of Jesus Christ, that to truly have life, you've got to die first. And some of us try to live in such a way where we try to find life without the death. And that's where we get in trouble. And we wonder why. Why am I so disappointed with the church? Why am I so disappointed with God? Why am I so disappointed with my family, with my friends? Why? Well, we're trying to have all of the benefits of life without the death. We're trying to have the crown without the cross. And we've kind of twisted it just enough to kind of make it good intentions with bad results. And so God, the first thing we're looking at is saying this gospel message, this good news message is, well, it's to you. It's us as Christians. Let's not, let's hold fast to that which was preached to us. And received. And Paul says this in in verse 3 For I have delivered you first that which I have received. I've delivered to you first that which I have received. And so that's a very kind of fundamental core thing that we would all agree on that in order to give something, you, you have to have it first. 
in order to give something, you have to have it. So he's saying, like, everything that I've preached to you is something that I have personally experienced in my own life. I have experienced the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I know what it was like to be going on this path. As a matter of fact, my path was full of persecuting the church. And I had an encounter with Jesus. And you know what? I died. On that moment, I said, you know, Christ, you are the one. I gave my life to him. And well, well now it's a whole new life in God. And he's saying this, but, but first of all, you've got to know that I have received it first. You can't give what you don't have. It sounds simple, but the thing is, this is kind of the opposite of really what our society teaches us. We teach and we set up systems in such a way that as long as you have the knowledge, that's good enough. As long as you could kind of explain how to do something or know the fundamentals behind it, that's okay. You don't have to actually do it. In other words, it's, it's what you could go to school. You could have all the degrees. You could have just everything and say you've aced the test. But let, let's say there's a big difference between learning about brain surgery and actually performing brain surgery. Okay? If we were to take a little survey right now and I was to say, hey, uh, we all have to undergo some brain surgery in the room. Who would you like to have operating on you? The guy who read the book or the guy who's performed 20,000 of them? Which one would you choose? Obvious answer. Hopefully, obvious answer. Okay? But how often do we kind of do that in our churches too? Where it's just kind of like, you, we kind of get the sign. I said, well, I can just kind of fill my head with knowledge, but I don't really have to do anything about it. No, we've got to put our faith into action. Faith without works is dead. It's, it's one thing to know how to build the swing set. It's another thing to actually build the swing set, to get out there and to put it to work. Um, imagine surfing. Imagine if we just talked all day long about the fundamentals of surfing. Uh, in the summertime, me and Jace, uh, or, or Jace has a, uh, a surfing company and all of these kids come in. and imagine if we just gathered them on the beach and for two hours we just said this is what surfing's all about this is how you surf this is how you stand here's a book about surfing here's a video about how you surf here's what a surfboard looks like okay see you later go home every one of those kids would be like no give me my money back this is the worst ever no what do you do yeah, there's, there's some instructions, this thing, but then we get out into the water and we say, okay, here you go. And we push him into a wave. And that's the reality of what Jesus did with the disciples. He said, listen, come follow me. It's time to learn how to surf. It's time to learn how to do these things. And Jesus would just push him out and say, you're, you're going to learn. And if you messed up, you know what? You're, you can get back up. And we'll, we'll just adjust and we'll correct. And, and so the idea of that we could just kind of have this knowledge without any action behind it, well, we've really just deceived ourselves. You have to be able to give what you have first received. And this is the good news of the gospel. In chapters 4 through 8, Paul then begins to show, listen, this message of Jesus Christ, it's not just something that it, 
was, was some kind of one little thing that happened. This changed everything. As a matter of fact, there is countless number of people that could give testimony to the resurrection of God. There was 500 people at one moment that saw resurrected Jesus. There was Peter. There was all of the apostles that had this encounter and saw him. So it's not just this one person that gave an account of the resurrection of God. Listen, there's all these people that he's saying. As a matter of fact, some of them are still alive today. They're right here with us. If you want to talk to them, they will tell you that this happened, that he lived, that he died, and he rose again. And he's saying, like, there's some substance to this thing. And he's talking to them. He's saying, but the beautiful thing about this gospel message is it's an invitation for all. It's an invitation for everybody. It's not just for these 500. It's just not for these 12. It's for everybody. And so if we were to look at, at this gospel message, if we were to open our Bibles and we would begin to see things uh, in the message, uh, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you begin to read over these different disciples' encounter with God and experience with God. And each one of them is telling the same story, except for they're kind of telling the story from just a little bit different point of view. And sometimes to a little bit different of an audience. And so have you ever read the Bible and you've wondered, well, it, it kind of seems like it repeats itself often. Man, Matthew, I just kind of read that. And then Mark, I just kind of read that again. And then Luke, I just kind of read that four different times. It's kind of saying the same thing. Why would you do this, God? Why would you put this message in here four different times? Because, well, this is the most important message of all time this is the gospel and he's given it not just from one point of view but from well all of these other views that have walked with him and have seen him as a matter of fact we look at matthew matthew is a jew that his book he's writing primarily to other jews so here's a jew writing to other jews and so when he starts his gospel he starts it off with this big list of genealogy and which when we read it that's the part of the bible that we like to read and just kind of skip over because who can pronounce all of those names? Nobody. Fat. I don't know. How do you spell that? J Fat. I don't know. And so there's all these names. But see, but if you were a Jew then, this would be very, very important to you. Because the genealogy, the record of knowing just where it came from and whose dad was who and did it come from the bloodline of David? How far back does it go? Is there something to this? And so as a Jew writing to another Jew, he knows that this is important. But then we come to Mark. And Mark, he writes as a Jew, well, he's writing to the Gentiles. And specifically, he's writing to the Romans. And, he's, and so when we read his gospel, he begins to explain things that the common Jew would already know. There's certain rites and rituals that he goes into great detail. So if you're a Jew and you're reading this, you're like, why would he write all this? Well, because he's not writing to you. He's writing to this audience, and he's explaining things to them that they wouldn't know. And so it gives just a little bit better point of view of this man, of Jesus. And then we look at Luke, and, and he gives, and he's saying, listen, my, my gospel message that I'm writing to you is to give a full account to bring things into clarity because there's all of these things, all of these happenings of stories that are going about of Jesus, and some of them just aren't exactly right. And so Luke's saying, listen, I want to clear some things up. I want you to know exactly I'm one that has walked with him, that I've seen these, that gives personal testimony, and I want you to know that this is the gospel. This is the good news. And so he's writing this to, well, as some would believe, a lot of people believe, it, the Bible doesn't specifically say this, but that Luke would be a Gentile writing to other Gentiles. 
And so they're reading and looking at this from a whole completely different point of view. And then we get to the book of John. Now, John's completely different from the first three. Because when we read John, John almost reads like, well, this love letter. It reads like, man, it's, I just want to tell you guys about Jesus. And, and I'm writing this. And I don't even want to put my own name in it. I'll just write the one whom Jesus loved because I want you all to know that this is all about him. And, and so he's writing, and we, we, there's certain things in John where it's just this back and forth between, man, this is the, the sovereignty, and this is the beauty of our Lord. And wow, what amazing things that he did. And so you read this, and, and, and there's details in it, and you just think, wow. And so there's these four different authors, which technically there's really only one author, which is God. But he's using these four men to write these gospel messages. Now, this is crazy. Because think about it. The most important message of all time. God putting in the hearts of these men to write what we, 2,000 years later, would be talking about in church today. What churches all around the country are talking about. What people are, are putting their hope and faith in. And yet, he allowed them to use their personal experience within their writings. The things that they went, the the upcoming, the backgrounds that they had as Jews, as as Gentiles, as ones writing letters to others, as as John with just this love, and it's poured out into these scriptures. This is is amazing. This is amazing that that God would do this. And, And it just shows us God's love for diversity. It shows us just how much God loves to just to just see things from all different types of angles and all different types of views. And see, the reality is that we need all four of these Gospels to get this beautiful, glorious picture of Christ. The reality is Peter and John were very different guys, but they needed each other. The fact is Peter needed John. John needed Peter. Republicans need Democrats. Democrats need Republicans. We all need each other. Me and Kyle, I, I need Kyle. Trust me, you don't want me to lead worship. <laughs> I tell you, there'd be a lot less people here this morning if I led worship. Also, we need the cool beard. You know, this thing just ain't cutting it. We need each other. We all see things in a different way. See, um, just this week, my wife at, at our house, uh, her parents are coming in in July. So, of course, I'm thinking, okay, July, that's, however, three months away. No worries. No, 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 no. Apparently, three months ahead of time, you've got to do all of these things in the house to get ready for her parents that are coming. Like, no, let's show them how we really live. Yeah, stuff is dirty, you know? I want them to open up the door and be like, hey, this is how, this is what your daughter's really involved in. Yeah, there's socks everywhere and there's stuff. No, we're going to open up the door and say, you know what? This is the cleanest this house has been in 16 years. You know, hope you enjoy the stay because it doesn't get any cleaner than this. And so apparently we got to do all these things. And one of the things we have to do is the dining room has to be painted a new color because you just have to do that when the in-laws come. So, okay, let's paint the dining room a new color. No big deal. I can paint that. But then you can't just paint the dining room a new color. Then you have to have curtains 
to match the new paint color that will match the chairs that match the table, which match the centerpiece on top of the table. And so she sees all this. What I see is about four more hours of work. And I see I'm going to have to go and buy drapes, which cost way too much money. Like, it's ridiculous. Like 40 bucks for drapes. It's a, you know, can we just hang some bed sheets and it'll work? The whole idea is let's just keep light out of the house. I could spray paint the windows. Boom. And that's, see, she sees the whole picture. I kind of see. And then we have to do this yard work, and, and which involves mowing the grass. No, 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 no. Which involves going to Lowe's and buying all these flowers. And the flowers have to match, and they have to be lined up in a certain way. And again, she sees flowers, and she sees curtains, and she sees painted walls. And I see more time, more money, more effort. But then I come home, and I see a new surfboard. And what I see is I could do 360s on the wave and I could spray and I could kind of paddle everybody out first. And she sees, well, that's another 400 bucks. And so we all see things from different points of view, but we all need each other. We, we need each other's differences. We need each other to, to kind of balance each other out. Imagine if everyone was just like you. Not fun. Trust me. Just for not fun. I know you think you're cool. <laughs> not fun. Okay? That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. We need each other. We need to embrace each other's differences. See? She's saying, that's right. I'm telling you. That's what life would be like if we were all like each other. It would just be, let's just cry. And Paul's saying this thing. But here, here, here's what's crazy. Christ has revealed himself. He's saying, listen, all of these things, this wonderful gospel message that I'm bringing to you as Christians, that he's died, he's rose again. All of these people have seen him. All of them have given testimony. And then he goes and he says this. But for I am the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Could you imagine the humility it took for him to write this? See, this is something, this is something we've been trained that when we have past failures in our lives, we want to kind of cover those up. We don't want anyone else to know that, well, I've been through a divorce. We don't want anyone else to know that, well, that one time in my life I was hooked on drugs. We don't want anyone else to know that uh, I denied Christ multiple times. See, we're taught that you just kind of cover those things up. You don't talk about them. Well, Paul says, listen here, you guys need to know that I'm an apostle of God, but you need to know, if anything, I'm the least of these because I used to persecute the church. I threw Christians in jail. I hated you guys. He's saying, listen, there's something about the grace of God. And here's the tragedy. As when we as Christians try to take all of those past failures and just cover them up. And we're not letting the world see God's grace in our lives. And what happens is we've been taught that, and it's brought a sense of shame in our life. That in some way you're not worthy because of this thing that you've done. And maybe like Paul, we need to do what he's done and say, listen, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, Paul saying, listen, this is my past. That's who I was. But God has taken all of that. All of that persecution that I used to do to them. And he's turned it for his glory. All things for the good 
of those who believe. Are you ashamed? Have you been trying to cover some things up? We all have a testimony. We all have struggles in our past, whether it's with marriage or alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be. And I think this morning, as the band comes back up now, just as we sang that song at the beginning of church, I think God's doing the same thing. that He's, well, he's calling us out on the waters. He's calling us out to this place where, you know what, the waters are rough and the seas, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we're just going to step out with God. I'm no longer going to try to just cover up my past. But there is this gospel message. There is this good news that has come into my life. And as a believer and as a follower of Christ, I am going to let this message be known. What is God calling you out to? And see, here's another thing, that when we lose some of the basic fundamentals of this Christian walk and how we twist things just a little bit, it can have bad results. See, for the most part, we've been taught that this thing called ministry and being a follower of Christ, it looks like, well, it looks like what I'm doing right now. To be a minister, well, you have to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or something like that. And that, if you were to say that back in Jesus' time, I think Jesus would look at you and be like, where did you get that from? Who gave you that idea? Never once did he, did he bring this message. He said, listen, you can be a minister right now within the area in which you've been called. It doesn't matter where it is or what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a dentist or if you're a politician or if you own a surf company or if you own a cleaning business or if you teach dance. It doesn't matter. God has called you there. And he's calling you to step out on the waters. See, don't try to spend your time doing what someone else is doing. Stop trying to be like someone else. God's put you where he's put you for a reason. And he's calling you out on the waters. This gospel message, this good news, is that there is life and there is resurrection in him. And if you really, really, really want to experience life, let him in every area of your life. Let him in when you're on the job. See, the reality is what we're doing now, this is just kind of the huddle before the game. See, where we've twisted it is to turn the mindset into thinking that this is the game. It's not. Imagine turning on your TV and wanting to watch some football, and all we did is see the huddle. We would be upset. And that's what we've turned being a Christian into. Well, let's just go to church. No. The reality is you come here, you get equipped, and you're being sent out into the game. Monday morning when you clock in, that's when the game begins. That's when God's calling you out onto the water. This is just the huddle. This is the time where I say, listen, this is what God's doing. Now let's get this play together because there's a whole world out there that doesn't know him. There's a whole, whole world out there that's not going to step foot in this building. They need Jesus. And as a matter of fact, they're not going to read these gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're going to read your gospel. They're going to read you. And you are going to be Christ to them. And so we can't just take these things and think we can fill our head with knowledge. We're getting this knowledge for a reason. We're getting this huddle for a reason so that we can go and play the game.
Let's pray. Lord God, we just ask for your forgiveness that if in any way we've lost sight of some of these basics, if in any way we've just kind of filled our heads with knowledge, but it hasn't really touched our heart or our hands, Lord, help us to see from another person's view. Lord, for those of us that have tried to cover our past and that just I just feel this overwhelming feeling of shame, Lord God, I just ask that you break that off of our lives right now in the name of Jesus. That there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, this morning, you're calling us out on the waters. You're calling us out to some places that may even scare us. You're calling us out to be ministers in each area in which you've placed us right now. Lord, my prayer is just as Paul is saying to this church that we would hold fast, that we would stay steady with you. Fill our hearts, Lord, just at this moment, in this time, God, we just ask that your presence fill this room. Lord, for the person in here that's just been asking for an encounter with you, God, that this would be their moment. Fill our hearts, God. May we feel your love. May we feel your acceptance. Lord God, if you're bringing some correction, it's not because you're angry. It's because you love us and you want the best for us. And so, Lord God, just as you're correcting me this morning, as you're correcting my life, God, I just just say, God, I'm yours. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.